Welcome to Ladies Who Launch, not your average business podcast. Dropping every other Wednesday, Alyssa and Dakota are two successful and opinionated marketing entrepreneurs engaging in insightful conversations with industry thought leaders, as well as casual conversations surrounding our lives as entrepreneurs. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Launch. Alyssa and Dakota are coming to you from Calgary on what is a very beautiful spring day. I am so happy that the sunshine has come out. I've been in such a better mood and like visibly seen my mental health skyrocket. How are you today, Alyssa? I'm great. And you know, I agree. There is something about that change in weather. And I will preface this that we are in Calgary. So this is what we call the fake spring um, when it gets up to like 17 degrees. And then like next week we'll have snow or something. But there is something about that change in, in weather. And when the clocks ch- change over to daylight savings, there's just sort of, it changes your mental outlook that like somehow now there's something to look forward to instead of dark, dark night. So yeah, it's been, I've noticed a huge change in myself mentally, I will say positively. Well, in other news, uh, what was it? A week ago or so, I thought I had COVID. (laughs) I was super, super, super sick. And I haven't had a chance to talk to you or connect with you to to catch up at all. We've been both been really busy, which is great. Um, But yeah, I got that dry cough one night just randomly. And then I started to get so tired. And then I lost my sense of smell and taste entirely. For like 10 days. And did you have COVID? No, I tested negative. <laughs> well, I guess and that's I talked good. to I talked to the nurse, um, like the health link nurse multiple times before I got tested, just to because they were also being super weird and saying like they won't test you if you have only a few symptoms. And I only had a few. But I the one poignant thing was that I was exhausted. Like more exhausted than I've ever been in my life. And that's why I, with the loss of senses and that, I was like, oh. So all that to say that I was in my house like for almost two weeks straight, just like hanging out, not able to really even leave. I was like scared to leave to walk the dog. I put on double masks to walk the dog and just stayed away from people because I was so, so nervous. And then I just had like my groceries delivered and stuff, obviously, because I like can't go. I just wasn't sure. And then it was taking forever to get in to get in for a test. And so in any event, I'm super happy to be like out again. And the the nice weather came just in time. But it was weird. It was weird. And like the the, like major quarantining when you think you have it is actually really depressing. And I, there was like some serious stigma too. I was like, I, I felt disgusted for potentially having it. Like it, it did weird things to my mind. Is that why you didn't tell me? No, okay, so I think I'm just, just going to say like Dakota, Dakota and I talk like almost daily and it's funny. I didn't even notice that like I hadn't heard from her. See, maybe this is me being just a horrible person, but I hadn't really noticed, but I'm like, I realized, yeah, I haven't actually seen or talked to you in weeks. And how is that possible? Because we basically talk daily. And now I, now I hear that you like had, oh, had, you didn't have COVID, but you thought you had COVID. Like, can we just, ugh, can I just be a better person? I'm Alyssa. sorry. <laughs> Clearly <laughs> it's fine. Person. 
<laughs> no, I literally just slept. Like I, it was actually Glad really okay. good. I, I came off of a crazy February. I took on this amazing project with one of my previous employers and helped them with their virtual gala. But it was like crazy amounts of work. Uh, like not, I guess not crazy, but anyways, it was, it was a lot. So I think my body was just like, nope, it's time to shut down for a little bit. So it was a good well, forced I'm break. I'm glad you're feeling better. And you know, Thank you. This all sort of prefaces our guest today. So it all sort of works out in terms of uh, our uh, mental health and physical health and taking care of yourself. Absolutely. So we have a wonderful guest today from Burlington, Ontario, which is super exciting for our little podcast. Her name is Colleen Stewart, and she is a published author, speaker, and business owner. Colleen started writing stories when she was eight years old, and that's exactly what she does today is she tells the story of many incredible businesses and helps businesses to better tell their story. In addition to that, she's had quite the ride starting her business, evolving her business, pivoting her business. Yes, there's that word again, (laughs) pivot. But if I could think of one person who's pivoted successfully and in amazing ways, it's Colleen. So welcome, Colleen, to Ladies Who Launch. We are so excited to have you. Thank you for taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me. And Alyssa, it's it's great to be here. So, Colleen, t- we want to check in with you too. How are you doing today? How's your emotional your emotional health meter on a scale of one to ten? Oh, I think I'm doing pretty good. I have a friend flying, so I'm new to Burlington. I actually lived in Canmore for uh, ten years, and I moved out Ooh. here in October. I have a friend coming from Canmore today to visit me for a few days, so. I'm excited about that. Uh, I had to have a plumber in the house this morning, so I wasn't very excited about that. Um, but the problems are pretty much fixed. So I guess I'm back up to being excited about that. <laughs> so, My yeah, apologies. Well. I um, That's super cool. We love, both of us love Canmore and I have family there. Oh, yeah. Lots of great yeah. memories and uh, make, I continually make great memories out there all the time. So... <laughs> So yeah, why did it's, you It's a great on- spot. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Why did you move to Ontario, Colleen? Oh, well, this is all part of the the big story over the last year. So Perfect Pitch, uh, the company that I own, um I started up in 2012 um with my business partner at the time and we spent almost 8 years working together um based in Calgary working with companies all over North America on corporate storytelling and leadership development as part of living your story. Um, And when COVID hit, uh, it exposed some, that it was the fact that we both looked at the business in pretty different ways. And I think we had been sort of having this tug of war over probably about two years, but COVID, it just made us realize like we, we look at it very differently. And I don't think the two, well, I know now the two were never going to meet. And so I offered to buy the business from her and she accepted. So through that time, uh, there were some family reasons to come out. I just thought, well, if the business is changing, um, then maybe this change can happen too. And actually, uh, 
at that time too, I went back to my maiden name, which is Stuart, which is what you're using now. But for, you know, many years since being divorced, I'd been Henderson. So I switched over to Stuart, changed my name, changed my business, changed where I live. <laughs> and, and here I am. Uh, and yeah, a lot. Yeah. So the business basically had to go from this model of live classroom workshops all over North America. We were flying everywhere to deliver this stuff uh, to essentially what is now 100% virtual. That's amazing. So before we dive into that transition a little bit more, Colleen, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Perfect Pitch? So Perfect Pitch... I. Yeah, 15 years ago, I said to a colleague of mine, I'm going to own a storytelling company. And we were having lunch and, and she said, well, what is that? That sounds great, but what is it? And I said, yeah, I, I really have no clue. <laughs> I don't know yet. Um, but my background, I came out of journalism school, did some traveling, avoided work as much as possible. And I got a job with a publishing company when I finally decided to work and I was selling textbooks and I was delivering a sales presentation up in Calgary to a small group of professors up there. And 15 minutes into my presentation, I heard this horrible sound from the back. And when I turned away from my slide deck, I realized a gentleman had fallen asleep at the back of the room. Oh yeah. And he was like, this covering oh, no. out loud. oh yeah. Um, so I decided that was never going to happen again. And when I really took a look at what makes for a great presentation, I realized that what I'd learned in journalism school had more to do with it than what I was trying to do as a business presentation. And so that kicked off this desire to transform communications everywhere because a few months later, I attended our big national sales meeting and our CEO had flown in to do a lunchtime address. And we were told, everybody must attend. There were like 350 people sitting in this giant hotel ballroom. Uh, it's hard to imagine now. But anyway, that actually happened. And so we're sitting there listening to this lunchtime address. And I'm looking around the room because I'm getting kind of bored. We're only like 10 minutes in. And there are people all around the room are just kind of nodding, bobbing, you know, trying to stay awake. And I realized, oh, okay, this isn't a Colleen issue. This is, this is a business communication issue. And so that, so going forward, I, I thought, okay, I want to own a storytelling company, but how am I going to do it? And Perfect Pitch was born out of that desire to just really improve and completely transform in some cases, the way business people are communicating with their customers, their investors, their employees. Um, so in whatever way we can do that, that's what we do. If it's anything from building a presentation to deciding the stories that you'll tell just in conversation. That's really cool. So you had mentioned you were a journalist, correct? I came out of journalism school. I don't know if I would ever actually say I was a journalist. I did some travel writing. I worked at a little radio station, actually, but not a small radio station, but a radio station in Ottawa for a little while. Um, but I just started traveling and didn't want to work. <laughs> so, Well, yeah, I think we're all that person. No, yeah. I just find it interesting because I find that... Um, I mean, I don't have, I'm not a journalist. I don't have a journalistic background. I'm a comms person, yeah. but um, I find that, that 
Alice and um, Suzanne, who is yep. a mutual friend of ours, is one, um, go into that, whether it's communications or 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 business um, training, those sorts of things, because there is that storytelling element that you learn and that you use in your job. So I find that that connection from the journalism, even though you say you weren't a journalist, but still having that training to jump off into um, teaching businesses about telling their story is a is an interesting connection because I think that um, that journalism storytelling is a piece that most businesses, well, ninety nine percent of them, do not have. Yeah, and I think the connection um, is just so clear to me that at school I was trained to gather up all this information and ask the questions that are going to make that clear to me because ultimately I need to take that pile of information and construct a story out of it that you or the reader is going to want to read. And so in the business context, I really do the same thing. I sit with my clients and I listen to how they talk about their business. I capture quotes. I ask some questions to clarify. And then I take all that and construct it into a story. But I also teach them how to do it. That's the bigger leap um, is for a lot of communicators. This is not their go-to, you know, you think about somebody coming out of an engineering program who's worked in engineering They're They probably didn't have a storytelling course in university. I think it's a shame. I think every program should have one. Agreed. <laughs> but in the end, I'm happy because I have a business that can help them do that. And so that for them is a bit of a leap uh, to get there, but they make it. Those who do um, really embrace it and have a lot of fun. And so you, you've gone through a lot of changes this past year um, through COVID as have many. Um, I've been very open about my business struggles this past year on this podcast as, as many, but as businesses, larger businesses, I suppose, mid-sized to larger businesses are now figuring out how to maneuver post-COVID and whether staff want to come back or don't want to come back or whether they're going to open their offices or not open offices. What are some of the key or the how-tos of how businesses can start rebuilding and uniting their employees as we sort of move forward into um, post world, whatever that even is. I think, you know, you, you've touched on it really well that there's just so much uncertainty, you know, are we going to open? How long are we going to be open? I think small businesses as much as big ones are trying to navigate this uncertainty. If you think how many times restaurants have opened and closed over the last year, I mean, it's, it's crazy. We're, we're just trying to find solid ground and that's what we're looking for. I think whether we're employees or customers or investors, that's what we're looking for. And it's it's hard to find that solid ground right now. So from my perspective, language uh, can get in the way of finding that solid ground. You know, we revert to a lot of corporate jargon, vague pat phrases, um, platitudes about how great we are, but everybody's kind of saying the same thing. And that makes the ground not so firm. Uh, it's hard to tell what people really mean. And so if managers, leaders um, can figure out how to be more specific, and that requires them to be more candid, frankly. And I think that's a vulnerable place for a lot of business people to go. They don't 
necessarily want to go there. It's it's bearing a little bit of their soul to the people they're hoping to connect with. And, and intuitively, they might think that that's scary. They're going to turn people off. They're going to uh, show the chinks in their armor. Um, but the exact opposite is true. You know, if we think of businesses that we uh, want to do business with, they're probably the ones who speak to our beliefs, our values. And the only way they can do that is to be specific. That gives us a bit of solid ground that we feel like we can step on and we know pretty much how things are going to turn out. Doesn't mean you have to have all the answers. And I, I wouldn't say make it make stuff up. It's just about being candid and being plain spoken. I think that's what we're looking for right now especially with all this uncertainty around us. And that is storytelling. A story is plain spoken. It's vivid. It's, it imagines the future. It, it inspires us to imagine. That's what we want. That's amazing, Colleen. So <clears throat> I too have gone through um, a transition within my business when I first started where I had a business partner for just under a year and we decided early on, and I'm so thankful for that, that it just, we weren't aligned. Um, but I do recall it being uncomfortable and unsettling. And, um, but then I almost had like a reignited passion for my, for my business because I changed a bunch of things after we parted ways. Um, are you finding that you have this reignition of passion for what you're doing? And is is there anything new that you're doing? Um, maybe your book that uh, is kind of just you um, in a word kind of thing since you went out on your own solo? Yeah, I think, well, the book, so it's just been this really crazy time because I finished the manuscript right at the end, end of February, beginning of March, I was submitting the final draft of the manuscript. And that was just as things were starting to tip into, I don't think we're going to continue as partners. And so the whole time this book has been coming together and really the story compass is all about businesses accepting that they are on a journey and they need and the, the the best thing they can give back to the people that count on them for employment, for returns on investment, for products and services uh, is the ability to adapt. And so that book is, you know, telling that story and showing people how to uh, tell the stories they need to during that time. But the whole time I'm being asked to adapt, <laughs> you know, that as, as this book is coming out. And so I think what I what I loved about being on my own was being able to really explore this idea that a virtual workshop could be just as good as a live workshop. And that might sound crazy to some people because we're no longer in a room together, but that is my goal. Like I, I'm, I'm searching for, for ways to get a lot of experience for my clients that maybe is even better than live classroom. Because quite frankly, we haven't all, you know, uh, been rushing and, and stressing through airports and losing sleep in hotel beds with noisy fridges and fans going. 
I hate the fridge. I always unplug it. Um, <laughs> but you know, we're, we're well, well rested. I used to shove my feet into high heels and show up and I'd have, have had maybe two hours sleep and I would just get myself pumped up and act like it never happened. And now we have these super connected experiences on zoom where like in one course I taught in the fall, we had a 15 minute break. And one of my participants, you know, literally launched into his chair at the end of 15 minutes and announced to the group, oh, thank God I shoveled the driveway. And, you know, when would that have ever happened? Right. Like, right in a hotel meeting room? Never. So, yeah, I wish I could be with people, but I think there's something to be said about this virtual environment. So that I'm really passionate about. Um, my passion has taken a little bit of a a slowdown just in the last few months because I also have a health issue. Like there's just so much. <laughs> a health issue that happened after live TV. Let's oh. even talk about that. <laughs> my right. goodness. Oh my God. So I was invited to be on CTV Morning uh, Live uh, in Calgary and I had not been feeling well for a couple of weeks leading up to you. I thought I had migraine. Went to the hospital a couple of times, actually walked home in the middle of the night on New Year's Eve. It was an hour and 20 minute walk. I had a COVID test, but I was like, I had a symptom. So they wouldn't pick me and Uber wouldn't pick me up. So I just walked home. It was a beautiful night. It was fine. But, you know, I've gone through a few weeks of like, what's wrong with me? Um, I had heart palpitations, my eyes were swollen, I I just, this pounding headache, like this just feeling nothing's right. So finally, I got blood work done. And when the results came back, my doctor called me and this was literally, I think it was two hours after the CTV interview had ended. The doctor phoned me, he said, you need to go to the hospital and you need to go now. In fact, call Uber, don't call the Uber because Uber would be here faster. Um, so I arrived in the hospital at the hospital, basically in what as a storm, your body has toxic levels of thyroid hormone, and it, it wants to put you in a coma or make your heart stop or cause seizures. Like that's, I was right on the edge of that. So the hospital kept me for almost a week and I've been diagnosed with Graves disease. Uh, and I have a related condition called thyroid eye disease which uh, they're, they're treatable. It's going to be a bit of a journey and, and it definitely has been for me, but I've learned so much about my, my body, my physical reactions to things that I used to think, oh, this is just who I am. Must be just who I am. And that's not who I am. And so I'll give you an example. If I can keep talking. I'll, yeah, yes, please do. Think about it. Um, so I can be a bit, uh, well, yeah, I could be a bit like go, go, go all the time. Like it's hard for me to sit still. And I do think that's part of who I am. I do. However, this anxious feeling when I'm trying to sit still, um, I was getting hot flashes and I thought, oh, it must be, you know, menopause. I'm older than you ladies. I'm 51. Um, but, uh, and, and losing sleep at night. Oh, well, it just must be the stress of work. Obviously, I'm, you know, I, I dwell on things more. Well, what I've discovered is that's not actually normal. That's, that's Graves' disease. And um, I just got to a point recently where my doctor said to me, uh, you can, he said, you're, you're okay now to try some light exercise. You could go for a light jog. And I took that to mean, too, that I can now drink caffeinated coffee because I was on no caffeine. So one morning, 
before I took my son to school last week, I brewed myself a double shot, full caffeine Americano. I was so excited. It's like dive dive right in. Coffee in my mouth. Because I've been on decaf for months and it sucks. Anyway, so uh, so I drank this coffee. The feeling came back almost immediately. I was anxious. I was in a hot flash. I was I was like pent up, and I I kept saying to my son, "Come on, we gotta go, we gotta go." And it was like old Colleen. It really was. And I stopped and I said to my son Julian, I said, "Oh my God, it's the coffee." Like this is the, and and I said to him, this is how I used to be every morning with you kids. And he's like, yeah. And I said, Julian, I don't have to be this way anymore. I don't have to be this way anymore. So now if um, it's one shot caffeine, one shot decaf Americano is the perfect thing. That's the secret sauce. That's the secret sauce. (laughs) Good. But I think that, yeah, like I, I think sometimes as women, we kind of, you know, maybe men do it too. And maybe they do it more. I don't know. But definitely from my perspective, I used to explain things away. Well, it's menopause or it's my hormones or it's, and it was a hormonal issue, but not what I was thinking, you know? Um, so that's, that's been a real lesson for me about just how I carry myself and how I approach stress. That's incredible. Get your thyroids checked. Well, I have, I won't get into my whole thing, oh. but I do have a higher, yeah. And, but this year, um, after many, so I've had a growth on my thyroid for a long time and I've been on thyroid medication for like years and years and years. But this year, um, after multiple biopsies and, and conclusion, inconclusive and all that stuff, um, I was cancer. It's not cancer thing for me in 2020, um, was to finally have that off. But yeah, it's your thyroid. People don't realize uh, is the sort of linchpin for your entire body. Um, it affects everything. And I always tell people if they're finding that they're tired or losing weight or gaining weight or like sorts of symptoms that you just think is womanly, like how you said, how we sort of dismiss it, go have your thyroid levels checked because it's amazing how much your thyroid um, affects everything. And so I have to make the decision. Um, I will have to have it taken out, um, but because it's not cancerous, I don't have to do it right now. But um, yeah, when, and once you have it taken out, then that leads to a whole other kettle of things. But it's interesting that your, your body basically tries to protect itself. And that's what your body was doing for you, um, was fighting against itself and the thyroid regulates that. So, um, but the thyroid eye thing is interesting. I've never heard that before. So, um, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. You don't look any different from zoom. You know, you said you're saying your eyes are swollen, but I can't see that through. Yeah. If I showed you, if I showed you a side by side photo, you would, you'd see it. Um, but again, this is just the body basically attacks itself. So antibodies are attacking the muscles behind my eyes, which is causing my eyes to protrude a little bit and is causing a lot of pain and discomfort. Um, but I guess, and I don't know how long that lasts. You ask somebody, one person, they say, oh, it immediately got better after my thyroid was removed. Um, and then other people stop worse when my thyroid was removed and that's not helpful. You know, again, I'm looking for some solid ground, right? This is what happens. Things are uncertain. And we almost, and I think that part of me wants to make up my own story because it is so uncertain. And this is a lesson 
businesses as well. I do this in my personal life, but people will do that at work. When, when things are too nebulous and unclear, they will start making up stories. That's what human beings are designed to do. It's actually uh, our most our highest, most sophisticated form of communication is storytelling. A computer cannot do this. You know, maybe at some point we'll have AI that is capable of like really authentic, natural storytelling. But right now we're the only animal on earth who can do it. And um, it it's so important to our understanding of our world that as soon as things get unclear, we'll make up the story that gives us that solid ground. So I'm trying to make up a story right now that this total thyroidectomy is going to cause everything to calm down. If I just have it taken out, that's my decision. (laughs) So what a journey, Colleen. Oh, seriously. I hope it's over now. (laughs) I just want to pause in the ordinary for a bit. (laughs) I also had a couple of random health scares over the last couple of years that really caused me to take a peek at lifestyle. I think all the thing that we all have in common, the three of us is that grinded out lifestyle that we all used to live that we now know is completely inappropriate and not a good way to live. I've been seeing some really great content come out on like the more inspirational accounts across social media lately. And Alyssa and I constantly repost it on our uh, Ladies Who Launch page around why the hustle and the grind is is a culture that is very unhealthy. Um, One thing I was finding myself doing last year, just because luckily for us, we actually had, I don't want to say too much work, but we had so much work that, and we were taking on so much that work turned into my entire life last year because we couldn't leave our houses. And I found myself getting up in the morning, taking maybe 10 minutes for myself, not even getting ready and just diving right into work for months. And then I found that after a while, I started to really resent work and feel awful. Um, a bunch of health problems presented because of that lifestyle because I had been actually doing it for longer than last year. I'm fibbing here. And I ended up starting to work with a business coach because I needed to rein in how I was setting up my routine every day. Um, and I was becoming like not the greatest leader, being resentful. I lost so much passion for what I do. I completely lost my purpose um, just because... I wasn't enjoying life anymore. It was really depressing. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a it's a big lesson, you know, to not allow work, especially if you're if you own your own business, to just completely take over. Um, so, yeah. But it's interesting how I I always think how the universe works because part of what was creating this hectic life for me was the travel it was the expectation that I would be down in Texas or down in Washington or out in Toronto when I was living out West at the time to do these workshops. And you don't want to say no to work. You love what you do. Um, So it's interesting that this has all happened at a time when we're basically forced to be in this virtual environment. And it's really taught me a lesson that I, I want to keep with me about how to control more, uh, how much I'm 
getting on planes for business, you know, and that's one thing that I do want to, to have changed. Not, I'm not, I don't want to put it out there that I won't travel, but I think it's going to be happening less anyway. But I agree with you. I think you need to get a handle on things and, and take control. Absolutely. I, th- I think what this last year, a lot of people and Dakota sort of brought it up in her, in her um, story was transitioning to this version that now we're sort of a year into, but initially those first four or six months um, is there was such a lack of differentiation between our work and home because you're working from home. Now I've worked from home for six years. So for me it was, but a lot of people that had worked in an office who are now at home were sort of went through the same struggles that Dakota and I did, and probably yourself when you first started working from home is that there is no delineation of when your work and your and your home life start. So yeah, like Dakota said, you'd give yourself 10 minutes in the morning and then you just jump right into work because you don't have that lead up like you would commuting. How have you seen, and I, I'm with you, I believe that this virtual world is here to stay and people are not going wanting to go back to an office. I mean, for many, many reasons, um, expense is one. They don't want to commute and they don't want to pay transit and buy clothes and all that stuff anymore. Um, so when you're talking to businesses and you're talking to businesses now who are going to have employees all over the world, because that's another thing we're seeing is that you don't have to hire people in your city anymore. They can be from anywhere. How are you helping businesses and employees to adapt and actually thrive in this sort of virtual environment, um, which many many love and many don't, and how you can find a nice balance between um, in-person versus virtual? The workshops that we run are ways of modeling how you can thrive in a virtual world. And so what I've learned over the last year since really embracing this and deciding, no, there's no reason why it can't be as connected, as engaging, as, um, as effective as a live classroom. I just, I teach my clients those things. You know, I've been contacted by so many companies over the last little while. In fact, it's really picked up uh, since Christmas with, with leaders contacting me to say, can you help our sales team or, you know, any team to be better in this virtual environment? And absolutely, you know, that's, that's what I want to do. My, my ultimate mission hasn't changed. I want to trans communications into something that we have to pay attention to that are totally captivating and memorable. And I think now we, you know, I just have to adjust that mission for a virtual environment. It can be done. Um, And I think storytelling is still the under, you know, the foundation of that, you know, regardless of what environment you're in, you'll listen to a great story and you will actually have a physiological reaction in your brain to that story, which I find fascinating. And so it doesn't matter, you know, if you think in your personal life, it doesn't matter if you're reading a book or if you're at a live theater or sitting in a movie theater or just sitting around the dinner table. And we can take all of those scenarios and they're a metaphor for things that happen in business. So it doesn't matter, you know, if you're sitting around a boardroom table or if you're presenting at a huge conference or if in a live feed of a conference or if you're in a Zoom call, you know, you can still use storytelling to completely captivate 
your audience. And so that's what we teach. But that chemical reaction in the brain that happens, I think is fascinating. And maybe not enough people know about it. Otherwise, more companies would be um, embracing this more quickly because you're kind of missing out on this epic opportunity to persuade your audience to take action with you. That's really cool. I I remember when we were chatting before you were going to come on the cast um, about that science of storytelling piece. And so thank you for explaining that to us. Um, we are nearing the end, sadly, which which is sad because this is such an interesting conversation and I'm sure we could talk about so much. But I do have two questions for you, Colleen, that we like to ask our guests. And the first one is, who's inspiring you lately? Besides yourself, because clearly you've jumped through some major hurdles. My personal inspiration... Can I have a, just a few answers to this? Of course this? you they can. Okay. So my personal inspiration is my sister. And if I talk too long, I'll start to cry. So um, my sister is my best friend. And she, I her because she has such um, strength of character. It's like she, she knows her own story so well. The way that it guides her in her personal life, I just, I look up to that. I think this, the, that clarity is so admirable. And for that reason, I am also watching a lot of parks and recreation because Ron Swanson is the same type of character. He's so authentic and honest, and he's got such strength of character. And I just, he cracks me up for that reason. But, and I think maybe it's because we need this right now. You know, I don't know if I met Ron Swanson in real life. I don't think I would agree with everything Ron Swanson thinks, but that's not the point. I think this idea that we have to surround ourselves with the stories we like to hear or the stories that match what we already think is a destructive force in society right now. So another, you know, if I look at it from, you know, a more public uh, view, Christy Noam, the governor of in last month, she delivered a speech at the Conservative Political Action Conference. Now, Christy Noam is not somebody I would agree with on a number of issues. She's pro-life, I'm pro-choice. Uh, she opposes same-sex marriage. I'm all for it. I don't care who people love. I think it's great. You know, there are so many areas where we would not agree. And yet, when I watch her, I think I do admire her. She is inspirational because she knows her story. She she is um, she's unafraid to put it out there and be vulnerable and speak passionately and from her heart. And I do think that that strength of character and that willingness to say what you think and be open to the possibility somebody is going to disagree with you, um, I think that is admirable, especially right now. I really worry that we're sitting in our own echo chambers of, you know, I'm going to listen to people who I agree with all the time. I just don't think that's a good way to further the story of humanity. Um, on the side of the Chicago Tribune building. And I actually took a picture of it when I was in Chicago. And it's a quote from John Milton. And it's given me the liberty no to utter and to argue freely according to my conscience above all liberties. 
And I think that liberty is something we're in danger of losing. And until we accept that storytelling is all wonderful things, but it's also uncomfortable at times, it's vulnerable, it agitates the way we think, it maybe confronts our beliefs a little bit. I don't think we can really have um, an open story together as a human race. I know that maybe that sounds lofty, but that's what I'm admiring right now is people who speak freely and have that strength of character. I I think that's awesome. And that doesn't sound lofty at all. I think it's very timely with the, the way just the things that have been in the news and rallies and speaking up and giving a voice to things that hadn't been given a voice before. Um, I think that we need to get uncomfortable. Um, one of the things I'm super passionate about with my business that I actually learned from uh, a colleague of Alyssa and mine uh, to, to do more of is I now force my clients to get pretty uncomfortable in their brand story and business planning before I will even touch their social media marketing. Um, and the reason for that is because I really want to know them and I want to know the pieces that we need to potentially fix before we're going to spend time and money on a tactic that frankly is kind of something that you do after you've got a, a lot of other pieces completed, such as your brand and your website and your your actual full marketing plan. Because what I do is more of a tactic. Um, so I love that that you're out there teaching that and being passionate about it because I also think it's very important. It is. Yeah. Um, what is your second question? <laughs> the second question is... What are you reading right now that you are loving? And uh, can you tell us what it is and why you are loving reading it? Uh, I'm reading... Okay, the two... I was thinking about this question because Suzanne did give me a bit of a heads up. But I looked at the two books beside my bed and I thought, oh, do I really say that I'm reading these? But absolutely. So yes, please. I'm reading... Uh, David Sedaris's diaries. I love David uh, Sedaris. Oh, he's so funny. Oh my gosh, he's so funny. Um, so his diaries go from the 70s all the way up to, I think it's 2000 and something. I can't remember the exact year, but it's sort of, it's one of those books where you read for a little while, then you set it aside, then you can dip back in. But the way Sedaris observes the world, I think is wonderful you know and he's all about treasuring those little moments and seeing the humor in them or the irony in them and uh, I just love that about him and it's fascinating reading about his life but I, I like to see the world through David Sedaris's eyes the other book I'm reading is The End of America by Naomi Wolf and she wrote that during the Bush, I think it was written during George W. Bush's administration, but it is about, uh, the. It, it's a warning uh, for democracies about uh, authoritarianism, basically. So I'm finding that uh, to be very interesting. Quite timely, I think. I know. Like Considering I the United States is just like a dumpster fire. Well, I think that we're all in, in, in a, at a bit of a risk of losing our freedoms. And so, you know, it seemed a bit of doomsday to tell you two that I'm reading the end of America. I think you could easily 
you know, insert the word Canada in there basic, based on what Naomi Wolf is writing about. So I just think it's a, it's a wake up call that, you know, we haven't actually fought for these. We didn't do that. That's not part of our story. And I think we're at risk of taking them for granted. So those are the two books. And then Sedaris is, oh, he's just so good. He's so good. Yeah. Amy is awesome too. Um, I love his sister, Amy. She's, oh, she's a hoot. Amy Sedaris. Yeah. She's a hoot. Have to read her then. Yeah. <laughs> Check both of those books out. Well, Colleen, thank you so much for joining us today. We will put um, all of Colleen's social handles as well as where you can find her new book, The Story Compass. Did I get that right, Colleen? The Story Compass, yes? Okay, awesome. Uh, In our show notes, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time today and we hope you have a wonderful weekend. Yeah, thank you. You too. And stay healthy. Oh, I will. I'm going to have fun with my friend. So stay healthy, you too. And thank you. Thank you for listening to Ladies Who Launch. Join Dakota and Alyssa every second Wednesday for more conversations and interesting guests. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. If you send us a question, we may answer it on a future episode. 